Good morning. Our gospel lesson today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 to 43. Hear now the word of the Lord. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with them. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately, aware that power had gone out from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked around, all around, to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the child was. He took her by the hand and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Mark and Sandy Albright lived on West Oak Street here in town for many years and in these recent years have lived in Florida and we're so grateful that through our online ministry, they are able to continue to be uh, very much a part of the life and work of our church. And let us pray. Oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing unto you, a rock and our redeemer. For it is in Jesus' precious name that we pray, amen. What does this passage reveal about Jesus? And what does it reveal about us? Those are two questions that I invite us to keep in mind this morning. Some of you remember the story I told years ago of my first year as a 
student in seminary where my field education assignment was serving as a chaplain at a youth detention center in Trenton. My ministry was a ministry of presence, tutoring, playing basketball, hanging out, leading an occasional Bible study. The population primarily consisted of young men who lived in rough urban areas who were status offenders, which means they had repeatedly run away from home or been truant from school or in other ways were getting into trouble that was beyond what their parents could control. And I can still remember my very first day there as a wet behind the ears seminary student sitting down with one of those young men. Our backgrounds, our family situations, the opportunities we'd each been granted could not have been more different. And he looked at me and he said, Mr. Why are you even here? No one cares about us. As long as we don't rob a bank or kill someone, to most people, I'm invisible. Wouldn't you rather be hanging out with some rich white kids in Princeton? <laughs> Nothing in my life up to that point prepared me to be able to respond. I stumbled and stuttered. I don't remember what I said, but I'll always remember that look on his face, the look that conveyed that he was invisible, that he didn't matter. And the love of God may have been intended for other people, but it wasn't intended for him. How far is the reach of God's love? That's the deeper question that that young man was asking me that afternoon and which our scripture invites us to consider. How deep does it go? How far is its reach? Are there some people who have access to God's attention, God's healing power and grace, and others who do not? Does God go further for some of us than God goes for others of us in extending to us God's love? Now, in this morning's passage, there's sandwiched one story within another. Both situations appear hopeless. Both stories oscillate. They, they pivot between faith and fear. The first story is Jesus being beckoned to the home of a respected religious leader whose name is Jairus. He's a person of power and position and his daughter is on the verge of death. It is a crisis moment. Jesus is asked to go to their home to heal her, and he goes. No questions are asked. There is no debate, no delay. Toward the end of the passage, he makes it there, and he does, in fact, successfully heal her. And sandwiched within that story of a healing is the story of another healing. The healing of a nameless woman who most people would have avoided and scorned. She intercepts Jesus 
while he's responding to the crisis at the home of that respected religious leader. The story tells us that she's been bleeding for 12 years. We do not learn her name. Because of this physical ailment, she has likely been viewed with scorn and suspicion. She's on the margins of society, unable to fully participate in the life of the community. According to Hebrew law, her ailment of 12 years of nonstop bleeding marks her as ceremonially unclean. And anyone who touched her would be considered unclean. And so it is likely that she has not been touched by another human being in 12 years. Let that detail sink in for a moment. 12 years without experiencing another's touch. I tested positive for COVID the day after Christmas. I somehow sidestepped it for almost four years, but it caught up with me. And I went about nine or 10 days without being touched by another human being. It was the hardest part of testing positive. It was incredibly emotionally isolating. And I thought about those in the days since, those who lived alone when the initial lockdown came almost four years ago at the start of the pandemic. And some, maybe even you, went months or even longer than that without being touched by another human being. The toll that takes on our health and well-being and to think that the woman in our passage has likely gone 12 years without receiving the touch of another. And she's in the midst of a throng of a crowd. She reaches for his garment to touch him in need of his power and his healing. It's interesting that she doesn't reach for, for his hand or his bare arm, just his outer garment. I've heard that so many times before, but as I pondered it and prayed about it this week, it made me wonder if there was a hesitancy that she felt as she reached for him, if maybe she shouldn't be reaching. Yet she does, and she touches him, and she's healed. And Jesus calls her my daughter a word of closeness and connection, affirming a relationship of depth and love. That's the way she views this woman who to nearly everyone else in the community is a person on the fringe. To someone who's been marginalized, he is saying, you're part of my family. And so it's the story of the healing of the daughter of the church leader of power and prestige and sandwiched within that, the healing of a marginalized woman whose name we never learn. Note that the little girl is 12 and the woman has been bleeding for 12 years. I don't think that's a coincidence. Perhaps it's a reminder that they have more in common with each other than we first imagined. All of us have more in common with each other than we oftentimes imagine.
There's so much about the two people and their situations that is so different, vastly different, yet there is immeasurably more about them that is the same. They both yearn to know others and to be known. They yearn for lives of connection and relationship and well-being. They have both experienced the setbacks and disappointments and loss that life will inevitably bring. The insider's daughter and the outsider on the fringe, neither of them outside the reach of God's great love. And this story of two healings is a reminder of something I pray you already know, that Jesus' love has no boundaries, no limits. Regardless of your title or position, where you've been, what ailments, what hurdles you're facing, his love for us and his ability to heal us is not dependent on our social status, our age, the depth of our faith. Jesus healed all kinds of people in all kinds of circumstances, and he continues to, for all people are worthy of Jesus' love and attention. And just as God loves us without regard to who we are, where we've been, or what present hardships we're facing, so we are called to love one another. The week ahead will offer you opportunities, I'm certain of it, where you can embody for some stranger or a friend, perhaps even a family member, the length and depth of God's unconditional love for them, or where perhaps you can discover it and receive it for yourself. Don't miss the chance. Don't rush past that sacred moment when it presents itself. Thomas Merton was a Trappist monk, a writer, a poet, a social activist. He was one of the most influential contemplatives of the 20th century. He spent much of his adult life as a monk at the Abbey of Our Lady of Gethsemane near Beardstown, Kentucky. And he tells of a profound moment of spiritual discovery that he had one day while standing at a particular street corner in Louisville. It would be like you or me sharing of an encounter with God's truth, God's love on the corner, say, of North Finley Avenue and East Craig Street. Here's how he described it. In Louisville, at the corner of Fourth and Walnut, in the center of the shopping district, I was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all of these people, that they were mine and I theirs, that we could not be alien to one another even though we were total strangers. It was like waking from a dream of separateness, of spurious self-isolation in a special world. 
This sense of liberation from an illusory difference was such a relief and such a joy to me that I almost laughed out loud. I have the immense joy of being a member of a race in which God himself became incarnate. As if the sorrows and stupidities of the human condition could overwhelm me now that I realize what we all are. And if only everybody could realize this. But it cannot be explained. There's no way of telling people that they are walking around shining like the sun. Then it was as if suddenly I saw the secret beauty of their hearts. The depths of their hearts where neither sin nor its desire nor self-knowledge can reach the core of their reality. The person that each one is in God's eye. If only they could all see themselves as they really are. If only we could see each other that way all the time. There would be no more war, no more hatred, no more cruelty, no more greed. But this cannot be seen, only believed and understood by a peculiar gift. Friends, how far is the reach of God's love? In your experience, how would you answer that? How deep does it go? How far is its reach? Are there some people who have access to God's attention, God's healing power and grace? and others who do not? Does God's love reach further for some of us than God's love reaches for others of us? A young man at the Trenton Youth Detention Center who I met years ago, he thought with certainty that he was outside the reach of God's love. No one else seemed to care about him. Why in the world would God Perhaps that's the way, on some days at least, you view yourself. Jesus reminds us this day that God's love has no boundaries, no limits, no restraints. Regardless of title or position, age or depth of faith, regardless of where you've been, what you've done, or what ailments you face, amidst the countless things that are distinct and different about us. That's the characteristic that we share in common. It's the defining characteristic, thanks be to God, of who we are. None of us are outside the reach of God's love. May we receive that love in the ways that we yearn for it. And may we love others in the same generous and persistent and grace-filled ways that God loves us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.